Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So this morning we're going to look at the empowered life, empowered for purpose. And like anything in life um, it's, that is being created, it's created for purpose. And if we don't understand its purpose, we're going to misuse it, we're going to abuse it, and we're just going to miss out completely. And so the same with the Spirit of God in man, there's a purpose for that. And if we don't understand it, if we don't grow in knowledge and understanding, we're not going to use it appropriately. And that means less fruitfulness and more frustration. A lot of believers are experiencing little fruitfulness and a lot of frustration. And we don't want to be in that camp. And praise God, the only, the only difference between, or the only kind of role player in being frustrated as, as a Christian, or being fruitful as a Christian, the only role player, the biggest individual who determines that is not God. It's not the pastor. But it's each one of us personally and individually. You determine whether you're frustrated this morning or whether you are fruitful in life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you determine what's going on in your heart. You determine what you believe. And your belief system is determining where you're going in life. It's determining how your life is going currently. And so it's vitally important for us to, to get a right understanding and rightly divide the word and uh, start engaging with it. But another thing that we need to understand is on the same vein of you are the determining factor of how your life is currently going and how it's currently looking. Jesus told the parable in Matthew chapter 7, the wise man and the fool, the wise man building his house on the rock. Both of them received the same information. They had the same knowledge. But the difference was the one did something with it. He acted upon and he was deemed a wise man. But the other one received the same knowledge, the same information, but he did, did he squat with it. And so you this morning, each one of us are going to receive truth, we're going to receive information, and you're going to decide whether you're going to do something with it or not. So you determine whether you're going to walk out of here a wise man or a fool. And I don't think any of us want to be fools, right? I don't want to be a fool. And it's as easy as receiving information, receiving knowledge and truth, and asking God, what do I need to apply from this? How do I need to apply this into my life? And then we can start receiving and uh, experiencing fruitfulness. We want to experience salvation and we want to experience it to the full and understand its purpose. Because salvation is more than just going to heaven one day. Amen? If it was all about going to heaven one day, then as soon as you receive Christ and receive the Spirit, we should have been evaporated and immediately gone to heaven. If that was the purpose of salvation. Think about it. If the only purpose for salvation was heaven, then receive Christ and boom, you're gone. You're in heaven. Like that's, so there must be more. We need to understand there's more to salvation than just eternity one day in heaven. Salvation is also about having an impact in this life and being part of God's global rescue plan, which is 1 Timothy 2.4. For God's will is for all to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So it's more than just even being right with God. Even though that's a blessing, being right with God, experiencing right standing with God. Not having a feeling of guilt or shame when it comes to our relationship with God. It's even more than just being part of a family. 
even though it's amazing, being part of this family, being part of a community. But it's also about empowering. It's about empowering for changed life, empowering to make God's dream a reality, and empowering for a supernatural life. Supernatural in Afrikaans, natuurlijk. So it's super the natural. We see the natural, we experience the natural, but then it's above that natural. It's what the eyes, the understanding, the five senses can't always explain. But a lot of Christianity doesn't even consider that there's a supernatural life. That's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a life beyond the natural that God wants us to experience. So what does this empowering look like? What is its purpose? Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Open up your Bibles. The scriptures will be on the screen. But I want to encourage you to uh, open up your Bibles. Highlight um, uh, some what, what stands out for you. Make a note. Uh, in that way, we, we dig a little bit deeper. So don't just uh, be a pew warmer. Engage in the Word. Partake together of the Word. And um, if someone asks you afterwards what stood out for you from the Word, then you at least have something to say. If you're new here this morning, uh, don't fear. I'm pretty sure no one's going to ask you if something stood out for you. They're not going to put you on the spot. Um, so just stay seated. Don't run off. Um, but uh, we do cultivate a culture of sharing together on, on the Word and, and, and asking what, what stood out for you. And it's not about testing whether you listened or not. It's about truly drawing from the Spirit of God within the person you're talking to. Because each one of us, regardless of how much we're living out and how much we're experiencing a manifestation of God's Spirit, each one of us have got the wells of life inside of us, God's Spirit. And so when we draw from one another, we get to experience something amazing. Mark 16, 17 to 20. And those who believe shall use my authority. So firstly, I want to just uh, emphasize this. It says, those who believe. It doesn't add a whole bunch of other things. Those who believe shall use my authority to cast out demons and they shall speak new languages. More specifically, they will speak in new tongues. And uh, we'll get into that in the coming weeks. They'll speak in new languages or new tongues. They will be able to even handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. And they will be able to place their hands on the sick and heal them. When the Lord Jesus had finished uh, talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere preaching and the Lord was with them and confirmed what they said by the miracles that followed their message. So yeah, it's believers. It's not not talking about uh, a a special kind of a group of people, uh, just the, the holy of the holiest. It's people that were believers. Are you a believer? Awesome. If you're not a believer, we'd love to pray with you. And it's not about repeating words. It's about believing the fact that Jesus is who he said he was and he accomplished what he said he accomplished. And then as you believe that, you receive God's Spirit and you uh, receive the gift of salvation. And so it says here, those who believe shall use my authority and these signs will follow them. And it's awesome that it's not just about running off the signs. The supernatural Apart from the gospel, apart from salvation, is pointless. The supernatural, apart from salvation, apart from Jesus and pointing people to the source of life, is pointless. That's the purpose of the supernatural. Because you experience a lot of supernatural in this world that's got nothing to do with Jesus. And so it's more than that. It's not about seeking a sign. It's not about pursuing uh, a goosebump, pursuing something spectacular but it's about using the spectacular to cultivate an environment where someone can come and question 
hey, that was interesting. Like, I haven't thought about that. Like, how did you do that? Let me share with you. This is the heart of God. This is His love for you. If you pray for a sick person, for example, and they get healed, there's a ministry opportunity that comes after that. Amen? And so the supernatural purpose is to point people to Christ. Verse 20 says, And the disciples went everywhere preaching, and the Lord was with them and confirmed what they said by miracles that followed their message. So there's a message that accompanied the ministry of the supernatural. A lot of people are just ministering the supernatural, but they're not ministering the message of Christ, the message of the Bible. Jesus didn't send us out to go and preach our own messages. He sent us out to minister His message. Because if you think about this, it's sometimes like it's, it's amazing how simple the gospel is, how simple the Bible is, and how we've complicated a lot of things. Or how we've just missed the simple. If, I'm, uh, uh, if I've got a message, and I want to get it uh, to my wife quickly, and then I'll come and whisper to Devon, can you quickly tell this and that to Catherine? Um, and then Devon goes, what message is Devon going to share to Catherine? His own message or like a, his version of what I said or is he going to share what I asked him to share? He's going to ask, he's going to share because I'm sending him. He's the messenger. The messenger doesn't determine the message. The, the person sending you determines the message. Who sent the disciples? Jesus. So Jesus determines the message of our lives. Jesus determines what the message of the gospel is. And so we need to stay away from making the Bible and making up messages that's not the message of the author. And that doesn't fit into the message of the gospel, the message of Christ, which is the message of the Bible. Genesis to Revelation. It's God's promise. It's God's plan of redemption, salvation. So that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to, to not just experience supernatural for the sake of having a goosebump and, and having a testimony. I'm like, man, I prayed for this person and they were healed. Then I heard they passed away in a car accident the following day and I didn't get to minister salvation to them. That's a horrible testimony. And so we need to understand that when we're ministering to people, yes, pray for the sick. And, and uh, if there's a, there's a demon that needs to be cast out, then cast it out. Um, but let's not be carnal about it. Let's not uh, pray for our spouses the whole time for demons to be cast out. <laughs> Amen. Um, we just need to kind of, sometimes we over-spiritualize things as well. But uh, the, the point is this, that when we're when we experiencing the supernatural, it always needs to be accompanied with ministering Jesus, ministering the gospel, ministering salvation to, to us. Which is not just, again, like I said, uh, eternity in heaven, but salvation is also as Jesus defined for us in John 17 verse 3, to experience life here on earth, to know Him. This is eternal life, that you would know me, knowing Jesus. So we get to minister that to people, and that's why uh, in Timothy we find not just God's will for, for, for men to be saved, but also for, for people to come to grow and understand, grow knowledge of the truth. And so that is part of us ministering to people through the signs and wonders and uh, inviting them into family. Acts 1 verse 8. Uh, we always come back to the scripture, but I just want to draw something specific for us here. Acts 1 8 from the Passion. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Again, the, 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 the right of Acts, uh, a lot of his phrases or reference to the Holy Spirit is, is the manifestation side of the Holy Spirit. The coming upon what is seen, what is visible. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power 
And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea and the distant provinces, even to the remote places of the earth. So again, the empowering's purpose is to go and live out our Christian witnessing. And, and that requires strength, right? If you've lived as a Christian and if you've uh, taken opportunities to minister to colleagues or friends or family, it requires uh, to have hair on your teeth to minister to people and to receive rejection and to receive persecution for just being a Christian, being an outspoken Christian. And so we need this empowering to persevere, to not become weary, to not allow our hearts to be affected. This is something that I'm super thankful for uh, in my personal life, that by God's grace, when people do negative things towards me in ministry, in church, uh, I don't allow it to affect my heart. Because if it affects our hearts, it's going to affect my ministry. And so we need to guard our hearts against offense, against bitterness, against people who are being mean to us or rude to us or reject us or, or people who are just uh, not appreciate, uh, appreciating us. We need to guard our hearts because if it, if it comes in, it's like a cancer and it starts corrupting and it will affect your ministry. It will affect the way that you're ministering to people and becoming cynical. And there's no time to be cynical as a believer, as a Christian. Our callings are too important and becoming cynical will, will put you in a place where you can't effectively minister to someone and entrust someone with, with, uh, with, with certain things. So you'll be my messengers again. The messengers don't determine the message. The one who sends determine the message. You will be my messengers. And so the empowering is for us to go out and to even go to, I love how the passion says, to the remote places of the earth. So there are places on this earth who hasn't been reached yet. There's a whole people group in this earth and it's more or less one third of this world who has not yet reached, has not yet been reached. And so maybe God has empowered you to go into those places. And so we've got various mission trips that are short-term mission trips uh, geared towards going to some of those places. But maybe God is calling you to not just go short-term but to go long-term. And so, consider at least as at one of our recent uh, ministry night meetings, which uh, some of you were at, and if you missed it, then please join us for the next one. Um, we prayed for that specifically, for, for people who, are, who feel a stirring in their hearts, and they don't yet know how to navigate through that stirring, or, or they're not sure uh, what the application of that stirring is. We also invited those who have not even considered yet, because sometimes we're so busy with life, and we just... Kind of, we're on this hamster wheel. And yes, we may be sowing a seed here and we're ministering to uh, someone at the, the grocery store and the person putting petrol in our car. We're ministering to them and we're scattering some seed and it's good. That's amazing. And so we're busy. And so it doesn't give us time to actually pause and say like, God, like, I see that your desire is for the world to, to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And I see that statistics are showing that a third of the world has not yet heard the gospel. A third of the world doesn't even know a Christian. A third of the world might not even have a Bible in their language. And so the only way that they're going to be reached is if a Christian goes to them. If a Christian goes out of their place uh, where they are residing and go to that group of people, either short term or long term. And so God, like I see this, this is the message of the Bible, this is your desire. But I've never even asked you whether you want to send me. Maybe some of you here this morning and you've never considered that. That maybe God wants to, to send you. 
Maybe God wants you to go to some of these remote places of the earth. And we've got to, our ministry is geared and set up in such a way that we can support you in going. That you're not just going to go on your own. You'll never be on your own because Jesus is going with you. As he said to his disciples, I'll be with you. I'm going to be there with you. But unless we pray and we, unless we open up our hearts and we're vulnerable with God and ask that question, God's not going to force you. He's not going to force you. But if you make yourself available and you open up your heart, you'll start working your heart. And guess what? Before you know it, you'll start having a desire to go to a remote place. So much so that you become agitated and frustrated where you're currently at. And then you know that it's time for you to go and we want to release you and send you off to go and be fruitful. Amen? We don't want to just uh, keep uh, everyone together. My wife would be upset with me uh, right now. Um, she would love for everyone to just stay and uh, us to be this, uh, this cozy family. And there's a time and place for family and for people to stay behind and there's work for us to be done here in South Africa. But there is also a big chunk of the world who's got no chance unless we go. Unless believers go there and make it possible for them to hear the message and receive the message. 1 Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. This is super important. And so this, this word power is the same word power that we see throughout the, the New Testament in Acts 1 verse 8. And it's talking about it's the, the Greek word dunamis where we get the English word dynamite from. So if dynamite goes off, what happens? Like something, you experience something, right? There's, an, there's a visible experience. You feel something. You, you notice something. And so we don't just want to talk a good talk. A lot of believers talk a good talk and they know Bible and they can quote Bible and they can have great theological conversations. But there's no power. We want to desire power. We want to see power in our lives. We want to see people healed. We want to see people set free. We want to see people break free from bondages, addictions. Amen? And so it's going to require us to step into those places and to, uh, to realize firstly that we've got the power. Say, I've got the power. Dun, 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 dun. So we've got the power. I've got the power. Amen. And so 1 Corinthians 2 verse uh, 4 to 5, the same Paul ministering and he says, And my speech and my preaching was not just with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so Paul is communicating this, this beautiful thing that there's a lot of things that is Bible, and it's verses in the Bible, but it's actually just facilitating and cultivating and stroking man's flesh. I know none of you have ever done this, but uh, people in general, present company excluded, we, we, we look for a verse. I can remember at school, and uh, probably today as well, like sporting events, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to... I need a verse that's, that's going to strengthen me because I'm going to uh, face this opponent and it's almost like the, 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 the Israelites and the Egyptians and they needed empowering that because remember it was a sporting event for them as well. So I'm being sarcastic, some of you aren't getting the sarcasm, um, so apologies for that. The empowering is not for sporting events. 
The empowering is not to stroke your flesh. The empowering is not for you to just have a comfortable life. None of the disciples had comfortable lives. On what bus did we get off to think that that's why Jesus came to, die, came, came to die for us? To give us comfortable lives. A good word? It's a challenging word. And I know maybe you didn't come here to be challenged and I can't say that I'm sorry because this is what we, God has called us to, to, to equip saints for works of ministry. Ephesians chapter 4. That is the work of the, 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 the gift of the Spirit in, in the, the, the fivefold offices, even though it's not a word in the Bible. So I'm just using it because we know of that reference. Uh, pastor, prophet, evangelist, uh, teacher, and uh, apostle. Um, the, the, those five ministry giftings is, as Ephesians 4 says, for the equipping of the saints for our works of ministry. So how are you going to go out and accomplish a work of ministry and be effective in your, 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 your Christian work if you're not being equipped, if you're not being sharpened, if you're not being uh, challenged to grow into the things that God has got for us? Amen. Life is about uh, growth, is, growth and um, challenge is always going to go hand in hand. We can't just have the one without the other. If I look at my sons as well, like in them growing up and maturing, they, they're being challenged. Their bodies are being challenged. Like I can remember when they were doing tummy time. It was challenging for them. They were crying and moaning and complaining. But it was vitally important for them in their development and maturing to the place where they're walking today. And so for us as believers, we think that, man, I just want comfort. I just want an easy, a nice chair, a nice heater close to me. And none of those things are bad. I hope you guys are enjoying the eaters and the comfortable chairs. But we need to realize that that's not what Christianity is about. That's not why Jesus came to die for you. This is an environment for you to be equipped and to be trained so that you can go out into a lost world, a broken world, and to be a blessing and bring light into darkness. The only reason why there is darkness in this world is because there's an absence of light. You've got the light. What are you doing with it? Are you hiding it under a basket? Or are you removing the basket and setting yourself up on a hilltop? That is what God has called us for. And you're not alone. We're in this together. But it's going to require you to stop and pause and ask the question of how am I doing? We need to be honest with ourselves. And after if you ask yourself, how am I doing with regards to really being a representation and a, an ambassador of Christ? After you've asked yourself that and uh, given you, uh, been maybe easy on yourself, ask the people close to you as well. How are you doing in regards to being an ambassador of Christ and what we're seeing in the Bible? Because we've been given a ministry. Not a ministry of everything that we maybe see in the world. And again, if the ministry you're seeing is a, is a, is a kind of a, a cover-up for the ministry of reconciliation, then by all means go for it. What I mean by that is, for example, a, a soup kitchen. There's nothing wrong with a soup kitchen if that soup kitchen is facilitating the ministry of reconciliation. Because that's the ministry that God has given us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's been uh, given us the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation and the, the work of reconciliation, which is drawing people to God, bringing them to Christ. And some of this is going to require uh, empowering. 
It's not just about talk. It's not just about man's wisdom and, and using or twisting the word to suit uh, ourselves. But it's about spirit and power. Romans 1.16, this is God's plan. His spirit and his life and man. So Paul writes to us and he says, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes, say who? Believes. Right? So those who believe is saved, the Jew first and then also people everywhere. So that is the empowering, the spirit of God in man. This is what God's desire was from the beginning of time. And that is when we are ministering to people and we are communicating to people, if the end result or the aim and the purpose and the goal is not salvation, what are we busy with? What are we busy with? And yes, maybe in some cases it will take time building trust, building relationship. But again, there's a purpose behind that relationship that you're building. My barber, for example, uh, Ollie, who's on my hit list, uh, Ollie, if you're listening to this uh, recording or uh, streaming in at some point, then, uh, then you've uh, received Christ by now. Amen. And uh, so Ollie, for example, I don't just go to Ollie to get a, a haircut, but I also go there to build relationship and to ask him questions about his faith. He's a, he's a Muslim. And um, it is awesome. Uh, Ollie is now with his family. Um, he hasn't been to Algeria in five years. And um, this past week really had a, an awesome heart-to-heart where he lost his, his grandfather, which he hasn't also seen in five years, and he's still in Algeria. And I could see like it affected him, him heavily. And so I could, I could minister to him and just really show care and support in him having lost his, uh, his grandfather. And it's, so it's through those intentional kind of relationships that we're building, that we're initiating, and the purpose of that is to share Christ with him or to helping understand who Christ is uh, more, more effectively because they don't know who Jesus is. They know a Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Um, let's go to John chapter 4. So we're talking about being filled and talking about uh, purpose. What is the, the empowering's purpose? John chapter 4 verse 14 from the Passion. But if anyone drinks, say drinks. Drinks. If anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. So how often, when, we, when we're reading the Bible and we're studying the Bible, there's a lot of things that we need to take into account. We're not going to get into all of the things, but one of them being now, for example, this, this natural reference to drinking water that is being used. Firstly, the Holy Spirit most of the times in the Bible or oftentimes is used in reference to water. So that is what Jesus is communicating here in John chapter 4. But it's interesting also the concept of drinking water that he uses because how often do you need to drink water? A lot, right? Uh, if you don't drink a lot of water, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. You're going to feel it. And so as believers, drinking of the Holy Spirit, we drink of Him one time and we receive the Spirit of God but what we often see and what we're going to get into this morning, there's also continual drinking of the Holy Spirit that we see. As there is continual drinking of water and uh, filling your body with liquid to actually experience life, right? It's keeping you alive. In the same way, there's, a, there's an invitation for us to drink of the Holy Spirit to experience more life. 
Not salvation life, but life that is actually giving life to other people. Amen? Because we want an overflowing, because it's talking about a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding with endless life. Because this is the believer's reality, God's Spirit in them. You've got the well of life, the source of life on the inside of them. But are you drinking of that? Are you drawing from that? If you're unsure, you're probably not. You know when you're drinking and tapping from the Holy Spirit and drawing from it. And the people around you know it. So if you're unsure, you can also ask the people around you. 2 Corinthians 6, 3-10. This is going to bless you. And when I say this is going to bless you, then I'm a little bit sarcastic because it's more going to challenge you, which it could turn to blessing. The challenge could turn to blessing if you respond to it. Okay, so let's look at the, 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 the potential possible blessing we all can experience and step more into. 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 3 to Oh, uh, chapter 6, 3 to 10 from the Living Bible. We try to live in such a way that no one will ever be offended or kept back from finding the Lord by the way we act, so that no one can find fault with us and blame it on the Lord. In fact, everything we do, say everything we do, everything we do, we try to show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure suffering and hardship and trouble of every kind. I don't know why they put that verse in the Bible. Like they should just remove that. I'm sarcastic. I'm joking. Um, there's a purpose for this. We need to understand. We oftentimes want to read over the verses that are challenging and are uncomfortable and it's not suiting me. It's not blessing me. We need to stop being immature. And start maturing and start partaking of the meat of the Bible so we can mature and become full-grown men and women will actually force us to be dealt with by the devil and what his strategies are in this life. Amen? That didn't excite any of you. Okay, chapter, verse 5. We have been beaten, put in jail, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, stayed awake through sleepless nights of watching, and gone without food. We have proved ourselves um, to be what we claim by our wholesome lives and by our understanding of the gospel and by our patience. We have been kind and truly loving and filled with the Holy Spirit. This is awesome. This reference of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not talking about salvation. It's talking about a manifestation of the Spirit. I'm going to elaborate on that in a moment. We have been truthful with God's power helping us in all we do. All of the godly man's or all of... Uh, the godly man's arsenal weapons of defense and weapons of attack have been ours. We stand true to the Lord whether others honor us or despise us, whether they criticize us or commend us. We are honest, but they call us liars. The world ignores us, but we are known to God. We live close to death, but here we are still very much alive. We have been injured, but kept from death. Our hearts ache, but at the same time, we have the joy of the Lord. We are poor, but we give rich spiritual gifts to others. We owe nothing, and yet we enjoy everything. This is only possible by having and experiencing and drawing from the Spirit within. This kind of living and enduring is only possible by experiencing and, and drawing from the wells of life within. Engaging in the, 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 the gift of God that has been given you, and growing in knowledge and understanding that. And taking that knowledge and then acting upon it. Because again, it's one thing to desire something. It's another thing to gain understanding in something. 
And then it's a whole different ball game when we start acting upon what we know, what we've come to understand. And so a lot of people desire great things and they desire to have a testimony like this where none, none moved us. And uh, we see this in Philippians chapter 4, Paul as well, where we find I can do all things through Christ. It's in context of hardships, troubles, no food, cold nights, being beaten, thrown in jail. All of these things. And a lot of us want to have testimonies where people talk well of us or testimonies of like, man, that's a, that's a great woman of faith or man of faith. But we, we're not responding to the desire. We're not growing in understanding what is this desire for? How am I going to fulfill this desire? And then actually when we have the answer, actually respond on it, step out on it. Coming to close, Ephesians 5, 15 to 18. Ephesians 5, 15 to 18. So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes. How are you spending your life? Are we spending our lives for His purposes? Like in what degree, to what degree are we engaging and really uh, humbling ourselves and start building kingdoms for ourselves and, and empires for ourselves and and uh, set goals that are all self-seeking and not Christ-glorifying. Verse 17, And don't live foolishly, for when you will, or then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. It's interesting how verse 17 is communicated, because what we actually see in a better translation or, or communication of verse 17 would be, and that's the thing with English, uh, or all languages that aren't... Uh, the original text and original languages, it often communicates things in a way that makes sense like to the language, but it doesn't actually communicate what needs to be communicated. For example, don't live foolishly, for then you'll have the sermon to fully understand God's will. So it's not choosing to live foolish, foolishly who's enabling you to uh, understand God's will, but it's in understanding God's will and responding to it that we'll actually start living uh, uh, in wisdom and not foolishly. Amen? And don't get drunk with wine. This is an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled. Continue with the Holy Spirit we need to draw from within. I had some wine this weekend. Um, some of you would be offended for, uh, for that. I wasn't close to being, uh, I wasn't close to being drunk, but what this, what this verse is not, it's not advocating um, or uh, Slashing the, the not drinking wine. Oftentimes, again, we jump to the Bible and we read into things or we wanted to, to communicate things or say things that it's not actually saying. We need to understand it and read it within the context uh, that we find these verses. So we're talking about the spirit-filled life. We're talking about the uh, life overflowing with the Spirit of God within. And it's talking about understanding God's will. And then verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Getting drunk with wine, Paul is using an analogy here. He's using uh, drinking wine as a teaching aid. As oftentimes in the Bible where natural things are used, it's used as a teaching aid. What happens with you when you're over-consuming wine? You start acting funny, different, right? Not yourself. Like you, you start getting more, more, more bubbly, more uh, generous, some people. And so all of these start, things start happening. And so Paul says, 
do not get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. We need to draw from within. So there's this picture that Paul is communicating. When we are uh, um, engaging with and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's not about a separate receiving of something, but it's about drawing from within that is being communicated here. And that's where praying in tongues also comes in. But it's from coming from a, a within. When we engage with the Holy Spirit and we're partaking together of the Spirit of God within, something happens. We start looking differently. As a person who drinks wine and continues drinking, they're going to start looking differently. And so there's a manifestation lacking in a lot of believers' lives, and they don't look different. They aren't, we can't tell the believer apart from the unbeliever. It shouldn't be like that. There should be a manifestation, and that manifestation is not coming to be because we're not drawing from within. We're not drinking from the Holy Spirit. And that's the use of, we don't need to be funny about it and say, okay, cool guys, we're going to drink of the Holy Spirit now and uh, let's get drunk in the Spirit. Understand, that's where people get these things from. But it doesn't help. Let's not be weird. <laughs> I'm not saying let's not live supernaturalized. I'm saying let's not be weird. Let's not make, let's not name things and like make things about things. Let's engage in what the Word is communicating for what it is intending to communicate. Let's live supernatural lives. And it's going to require you to engage with the Holy Spirit and uh, draw from the Holy Spirit from within you. And the same way a drunk person becomes sober and stops uh, acting drunk, the same way you as a believer having the Spirit of God within you becomes normal again. You stop drinking. You stop engaging. And so we need to be challenged with this thought. And we see this throughout the Bible. Let's go to another verse. And um, we'll just close with... Where's that? Acts chapter 6. So we... Yeah, Acts chapter 6. Let's go there quickly. And we're coming to a close. Just buckle up. It's going to be a... a a quick landing with a, a whole bunch of uh, information. Acts chapter 6, 3 to 5. We want you to carefully select from among you seven godly men. What's a godly man in this context? In the Bible, when you see the phrase godly man, it is a believer. Okay, some of you didn't get that. So select from your seven godly men. I'm saying that and I'm emphasizing that for purpose. Make sure they are honorably, uh, honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So why are they saying now again that they are believers? Or that they need to have something else as well? Because they need to be godly men and they also need to be full of the Holy Spirit. It's believers that are living, manifested lives of the Spirit of God within that is who we want to select. When we're selecting uh, leaders in church, and even say we want to plant out a new church and we want to uh, choose a pastor for that church, we don't just want to select a believer. We want to select someone who's manifesting the Spirit of God within on the outside. Amen? Uh, I'm sure you also want that kind of pastor, and I hope I'm that kind of pastor for you. 
Um, the fact that you're still here, for those who are, have been here for a while, it, it means that you obviously think that, so I appreciate that. Um, select from your seven godly men, make sure they're honorable and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we'll give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. That will enable us to give our full attention to prayers and preaching the word of God. Then everyone in the church loved this idea, so they chose seven men. One of them was Stephen, who was known as a man full of faith and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So again, he was not just a believer. He was someone uh, experiencing manifestation of the Spirit of God inside of him. And being full of faith is actually uh, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Because there's no other kind of faith. There's only one kind of faith. It's faith that is uh, demonstrated and shown in the way that you are manifesting the Spirit of God on the outside of you. Along with him, they chose Philip and a bunch of other guys. Jump down to verse 8. Stephen, who was a man full of grace and supernatural power, performed many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. So again, their powering was for signs, wonders, and many miracles. Let's continue reading. Um, jumping down to chapter 7. We're still on the story uh, uh, highlighting Stephen's life. He was a man that experienced and represented the Spirit of God and a manifestation of. When the council members heard Stephen's speech, they were angry and furious. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. So he, was, he didn't receive something in that moment that he didn't have. But he experienced a manifestation. Because he was in his whole life, obviously drinking of, partaking of, drawing from within. So throughout the signs and wonders that we saw in his life, it was for a reason. It was there because he was con continually drinking from and consuming and partaking of the Holy Spirit. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked towards heaven where he saw a glorious God and Jesus standing at his right side. Look, Stephen said, um, verse 66, just changing translations. He said, I can see the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God to welcome me home. His accusers covered their ears with their hands and screamed at the top of their lungs to drown out his voice. Then they pounced on him and threw him outside the city walls to stone him. His accusers, one by one, placed their outer garments at the feet of a young man named Saul of Tarsus as they hold stones off the stone at him. Stephen prayed, Our Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. He crumbled to his knees and shouted in a loud voice, Our Lord, don't hold the sin against them. And then he died. The supernatural manifestation was because he had something and he drew from what he had. He was continually drinking from. And this is a this is a probably a, a manifestation of the spirit that few of us would ever probably need. Because we're not living in a country where, where um, death because you're a Christian is a common thing. But there are countries like that. And the people are dying today for their faith. And they are manifesting the same kind of power that Stephen manifested. By boldly declaring and releasing people from the sin that they are living in. Acts chapter 11 verse 24, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Why were many people brought to the Lord? Because he was manifesting the Spirit of God. He was using the Spirit of God for, his pur for the purpose of the Spirit. To represent our Father. To represent our living God. Acts 13 52, and the disciples were continually filled. Say continually. They were continually filled throughout their hearts and souls with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So what is this? They weren't receiving Holy Spirit day after day, 
cool, let's receive the Holy Spirit today. Let's get baptized with the Spirit today. Yes, if your reference of being baptized with the Spirit is uh, drinking of and partaking of the Holy Spirit, then by all means, call it what you want. But don't make it a theological thing of now you're receiving for the first time or the Holy Spirit went on a holiday, so let's receive Him again today. It doesn't go on a holiday. When you've received Christ, you've received His Spirit. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But now for every day for the rest of your life, you get to choose when you're drinking of. And let's become more thirsty for drinking of the Holy Spirit so that as much as we drink water and consume liquids, we start engaging with in prayer, in tongues, and engaging with and, 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 and growing and understanding God's heart for us and why He's given us His Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, which we'll get into. All of these things, understanding its purpose. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca